0: Praise the Lord. Y'all didn't even hear me. Let's try this again. Praise the Lord. There we go. A beautiful Sunday morning. Before I get started, I'd like to wish all you ladies this is where this is applicable, Happy Mother's Day. And you kids better tell your moms that this morning. Don't forget, I just gave you a reminder. Praise the Lord. We have a few announcements to make, and then in our first song, Please pay attention to the screen behind me because we are going to have a baptism today, and I love baptisms. We're going to be baptizing Brother Aiden Lee in the beautiful name of Jesus Christ today. Please remember that on Tuesday, May 10th, we will have our Tuesday morning prayer at 10 a.m. in the sanctuary. Sunday, May 15th, we will be honoring our graduates in the 11 a.m. service. Pre-registration for all youth camps is in June. Youth camps are almost upon us. It's now open on the L.A. District website. There are limited spaces available, so please avail yourself of that as quickly as possible. And mothers, please pick up your gift after the service out in our foyer. Do you love the Lord this morning? I, I appreciate God. It is a privilege, ladies and gentlemen, to be in this place at this time. God is good to us. We don't deserve it. That's why it's called grace, the unmerited favor of God. And I believe that God can do something for you here this morning if you will allow him to be obedient to him. Let's stand to our feet this morning and give the Lord praise and glory.
1: Hallelujah, Hallelujah Peace and me.
2: that prayer When we just say king of glory fill this place does anybody believe that God just answered that prayer I believe he did I feel the presence of the Lord here hallelujah 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 and how remarkable it is to be in the presence of God how amazing it is to be in the presence of God how tremendous it is I just don't have enough words here today I'm thankful that Jesus is in this house today would you clap your hands one more time all across the building and let's praise him today hallelujah 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 thank the Lord look at your neighbor and tell him I'm glad to see you Thank the Lord. You may be seated this morning. Thank you, Praise Team, once again for taking us to the throne of grace. And uh, I love the fact that Jesus is here today. We're going to talk a little bit more about that in a moment. But uh, I don't want anybody to forget that no matter who you see or don't see here today, Jesus is here. And that's what's really, really important. Thank the Lord. Is anybody excited today to see Brother Aiden baptized in the beautiful name of Jesus? Wasn't that amazing? Baptized on Mother's Day. So, Ethel, what a gift, right? What a gift. Uh, That is a baptism that I can promise you she will never forget. That uh, her handsome son was baptized on a day commemorating her. What an awesome, awesome thing. Aiden, would you come back up here again? Uh, He's going to get used to this here one of these days, running back and forth up here. Thank the Lord. That is one handsome little dude, ain't it? Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. So proud of him. Received the baptism of the Holy Ghost uh, a Sunday or two ago, and this morning baptized in the beautiful, beautiful name of Jesus. I loved your response. When he went down in the water, it was kind of quiet the praise team was singing and people were going along with it and then all of a sudden the screen pops on and you're like hey somebody's been baptized and Brother Ben told you but a lot of you didn't hear that because you was talking to somebody else and uh, so the screen popped on and look at here so we're baptizing somebody in the beautiful name of Jesus and when he went down in the water and came back up there was a shout of praise that went across this building it was amazing we were excited for you we excited for you so once again we have a certificate with your name on it that will not let you forget the day that you was baptized and not only today is mother's day and your mother's happy about it but today's pastor's birthday so you was baptized on pastor murphy's birthday too so look at that in that that makes it even more wonderful especially don't it he's like not really so (laughs) thank you bud god bless you man do good okay all right let's give him some appreciation i don't know which i enjoy the most is passing out these holy ghost and baptismal certificates to our kids or dedicating them when they're babies i i don't know which is the most fun but they're both an amazing amazing privilege to all of our moms here today happy mother's day and we hope you have a great day today give our moms some appreciation thank the lord and uh we hope you have a a wonderful day today and we have a little gift for you out in the lobby and uh Actually, Sister Murph brought it into my office this morning to show me what it was, and uh, she took it apart, and there's a little bitty plant inside all of the Mother's Day gifts today along with uh, something else. But when I saw this, it, 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 it just kind of inspired me. Uh, I wonder how many moms would take this home and take care of it. It's a little plant. I don't know how much it costs. probably wasn't very much, but I wonder what it would become. If somebody would just take a little time, uh, the jury's out on exactly what kind of plant it is. The label says succulent and cacti. Is that the same thing? Uh, anyway, if it's, if it's that or those or one of them can't be that hard to take care of so you could probably leave it in this little bitty pot for a little while but what if you put it in a bigger pot in a few months and uh set it on your window in your kitchen whatever it requires and just let it grow and maybe this time next year mother's day next year you could take a picture of it and bring it to the media booth and we'll put it on the screen and show everybody what happens when you take this home and give it the right amount of sun, give it the right amount of water and keep making its container bigger. And then if you'll apply that to your faith, keep expanding the container and your faith gets bigger and bigger. My prediction today, if this is an average crowd, You will take this home, set it on the windowsill, not do a thing with it till it dies, and then you'll throw it away. That's oftentimes what becomes of our faith. And then when we need our faith, it's kind of hard to find because it hasn't been properly taken care of. So just a little object lesson. So every time you look at that, you think about it. This is representative of my faith to some degree, and I'm gonna use that as an object lesson my personal life so take it home with you and see what it does and I challenge somebody to grow it, see how big it gets and let us know this time next year how your faith did how your ability to be disciplined and accountable to this little plant to see what the payoff is I challenge somebody to do that I wish, I wish all of us would do that I'm going to take one home and do that exact same thing even though I'm not a mother but in so many ways I'm like one so That was meant to be a little humorous and Anyway, I have a message to preach to you today. I Love our moms and all of you know that, but I just couldn't go in the Mother's Day direction today for what I believe God has given me. As a matter of fact, I'll read my text later. So thank you and uh I'm going to go ahead and announce my sermon title and get it out of the way. It's going to be humorous, and it's okay to chuckle. But here in a few minutes, it's not going to be as humorous as when you first see it on the screen. So let's go ahead and get that out of the way, media team, and we'll put that. This is what I want to preach to you today. Now, I hope that there's no one here today named Clovis. If there is, I'm not aware of it. And um, if there is someone here today named Clovis, this isn't about you personally because obviously I don't know who you are. But Clovis is going to be a representative of everybody that's here today. Now, where, Pastor, did the inspiration for this sermon title come from? I'm going to share that with you as we traverse through this message today and uh, i don't plan to keep you long because i know you have plans today for mother's day but if we ever run out of time for a move of god we're in real trouble everybody said amen so today we have to have time for god to do what he wants to do and then he will certainly bless the activities of the rest of the day lord willing a number of years ago when my two children were young uh, there was two, uh, I think they were put out by Disney back then, um, movies that we watched a good bit in our house, and they were called The Apple Dumpling Gang, and The Apple Dumpling Gang Rides Again. Is there anybody here today too sanctimonious to admit that they've seen those movies, or would you be go ahead and be honest? And we have a number of people that have. <clears throat> I don't remember which one of those. Um, movies uh, tells this story or the storyline of it but there was a man who was a gambler his name was Mr. Donovan he was a gambler and uh, devoted his whole life to that and, and he was expecting a package at the uh, from the stagecoach which was a little western film and um, so when the, the, the stagecoach arrived that day and I don't remember all the details if I don't get them all right it doesn't matter um, you'll, you'll just understand the line for this sermon title um, uh, so he waited and waited, thinking the package was was going to be something really amazing. When the package arrived, it ended up being three kids uh, that he had to be the caretaker for for the rest of their lives. As I remember the storyline and um, the only ones names that I remember is Clovis. <clears throat> and uh, Clovis became a very popular fellow, even around our house, because to this day, This statement right here is often quoted about certain family members when you wanna feel affectionate towards them, the line you get is Clovis doesn't want to be touched. The problem with Clovis is when Mr. Donovan and met these three kids, uh, Mr. Donovan sometimes would put his arm around Clovis or take his hand to direct him in some direction and Clovis would just turn around and kick him as hard as he could right in his shin. And it would just double over Mr. Donovan, and it hurt so bad. And the elder brother would always tell Mr. Donovan, Clovis doesn't want to be touched. And for some reason, Mr. Donovan never could remember that. Because, you know, just a little while later, he would touch Clovis again and get the kick in the shin and double over. And and then he'd touch Clovis again, and he'd get kicked again. And the elder brother would say, Clovis don't want to be touched. That is the story and the platform for that title right there that you see on the screen. My hope is that you never forget it. With all of that aside, now that you understand the title, in Genesis chapter 2, you read, and obviously in Genesis chapter 1, that God created the heavens and the earth, and then it gets in more detail, beginning with verse 3 that uh, God began to speak everything into existence. God said, let there be light, and there was light. God said, let there be a firmament. There was a firmament. God spoke and divided the firmament, and God spoke the the, the trees and, and all of that, created this amazing ecosystem and what have you. But when it came to man, God didn't speak man into existence. He took, The dirt. You know this story. Everybody knows this story. He took the dirt of the earth. And the Bible said that God formed man. That without it saying specifically, and of course God being a spirit, something happened. There was a transaction between God on some level with the dirt of the earth that he formed man into this shape uh, that, that humankind is today. And the Bible said that God breathed into his nostrils and he became a living soul. And we know that first man to be Adam. And then he caused to sleep to fall on Adam, took a rib out of his side, and then did the same thing to create the woman, except he used one of Adam's ribs to put into her. At some point in my mind, God is a spirit, but the Bible refers oftentimes to the hand of God. So in a spirit way, and I don't know how to explain this, I just receive it accepted by faith, through faith. But somewhere along the line in my mind, God stooped down onto this earth, this terra firma called the earth, and took that hand of God And began to scoop this way and that way until he formed a man. I want to remind everybody here today that God is a spirit. And the first touch that man received from God was spiritual. Because God is a spirit. That's the only way God could touch him. God is a spirit. It interested me a number of years ago when I did a little bit of study. I don't claim to be a scholar and to know everything, but after I read that story one day about Adam, uh, I was doing some things around the house, and this question came to my mind that if God formed Adam out of the dust of the earth with his spiritual hands, if you will, when was the next time? that God physically touched a man or a woman, a human? When was the next time that God touched men? When you read through the Old Testament, and there's going to be two or three people who's going to walk up to the pulpit after church today and say, well, this, this, and this. But just let me go in my folly here for a moment, if you will. According to my study after reading the Old Testament, God spoke to men hundreds and thousands of times. Throughout the Old Testament, God would speak, God would speak, God would speak. I I really can't find in the Old Testament where God touched a man physically for the man, spiritually for God, if you will, until we get to the New Testament. And um, it's interesting to me when when you read how God began to funnel down to his earthly ministry how what what path he took we know of john the baptist he was the forerunner of christ we know that story i'm going to assume that the majority of vast majority of people here today know that story <clears throat> well when you begin to read the story about how we we're introduced to john the baptist especially in the book of luke you find that that uh, luke writes down all these high-powered politicians and refers to Caesar and Pilate and King Herod and all these people. And and then he mentions some religious people. He mentions a high priest and and all of that. And and then the next statement is what gets my attention. He says, and the word of God came to John. The word of God didn't come to all these high ranking political and religious people. God skipped over all of them and spoke to John. That, that nobody knew, nobody even heard of. And when you did meet John, he was really weird. He lived out in the desert and ate honey and locusts being a, a fruit off of a locust tree and just really bizarre, dressed in camel skin. And he didn't fit in with society or culture or anything. God didn't go to the knowledgeable people of the political landscape nor the religious people. And so, when you pursue the study that after God formed Adam, who was the first person after Adam to be touched by the hand of God? And to me, based on my study, you have to go to Luke chapter 5, verse 12. And it's interesting to me because when you read that verse, if y'all can put this it, on the screen, thank you. And it came to pass when he was in a certain city, Behold, a man full of leprosy who, seeing Jesus, fell on his face and besought him, saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And the next verse says, And Jesus put forth his hand and touched him, which that immediately, according to the law of Moses, caused Jesus to be in a state of defilement because he was not supposed to touch a leper, but he did it anyway. And as soon as he touched him, he was cleansed of his leprosy. And Jesus charged him to go and show himself to the priest and get that little certificate that he didn't have leprosy anymore. The point I'm making here today is when the, Jesus was looking for somebody to give a word to, he didn't go to all the religious people and all the political people. He he went to John this A man that lived out in the desert and gave him a word from God. But then when Jesus comes on the scene and he's wanting to engage this relationship with mankind, he finds a man who has been quarantined the furthest point possible from human touch. That's interesting to me. Why didn't he pick a blind person? Why didn't he ordain for a blind person to come and say, heal me and Jesus touch his eyes? There wouldn't have been the risk of ridicule that he broke the law of Moses and all that. He chose a man who was at the furthest point you could go as far as humanity is concerned. But on the part of the leper, he was as close to God as a man could get as far as humanity was concerned. Y'all on board with me here today? So it's interesting to me that Jesus took this path. So my question earlier in the week, literally sitting on my front porch with tears streaming down my face, where's Brother Donnie? He's in the lobby. Why didn't God, why didn't God, choose to touch any of the religious people first. He hasn't touched a man in, what, 4,000 years? He's not had physical contact with humanity in some 4,000 years? It seems to me like when you look at all the people who made up the religious world of that day, people who believed dogmatically, In the law of Moses, people who went to the synagogue every Sabbath day. And then they would go to the temple on temple days for feast and whatnot and sacrifice and so on. Why didn't he find this good religious Sadducee? Why was not there a good, just a good, solid Pharisee, a scribe, a lawyer? uh, a ruler of the synagogue, why Why did Jesus first touch a leper? You're going to find your answer in Luke chapter 5 and verse 17. And I'm going to ask everybody in this building to bear down on the screen right now with your eyes. And it came to pass on a certain day, as he, Jesus, was teaching, that there were certain Pharisees and doctors of the law, law of Moses, Bible scholars, scholars of the law, genius people, intelligent people, people who could quote it, people who had it memorized, people who understood prophecies of the Old Testament, people who even understand prophecies of the the Messiah, uh, people who understood all of that, who had a good grip, a good knowledge and could discuss, they could go toe-to-toe, With anybody, when it came to the law of Moses, all these religious pedigrees, if you will, Jesus was teaching. And they all these people came out of every town of Galilee, that whole region, that whole Middle East region. They came from everywhere, these doctors and lawyers and scribes and Pharisees and all these people. They came from Judea, they came from Jerusalem, and notice the next... I can't get past it. I sat on my front porch Tuesday morning and cried and cried. It stirred me so much. You have all these people that knows God, that knows the Bible. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Why did Jesus go heal a leper before them? If you're looking for a human to touch after all these years, weren't one of these people? Could could Jesus have just held off a few verses? I mean, in Luke chapter 5, verse 12, he touched the leper in Luke chapter 5, verse 17. I mean, five verses later, he couldn't wait five verses, maybe a day or two and Say, I'm not going to touch the leper. I'll touch him later. I want my first person to touch to be a religious person, a person that loves God, a person who loves the Bible, who loves the Word of God. Why didn't he touch one of them first? I think you have your answer. That he was there present. Everybody say present. He was there present to heal them, period nobody asked with all their religious pedigree with all their religious knowledge with all their religious experience with all the prophecies they knew with all the faith they had in the coming messiah they clung to the prophecy of the messiah coming they they talked about it all the time they prayed for it every day they studied about it they if you'll excuse me My slang term, they studied their brains out, if you will. They poured themselves into when is he coming, when is he coming, when is he coming. Oh God, if the Messiah would just come and deliver us. And now here he sits in their presence with the power to heal them. To heal their bitterness and their hurt. To heal their family. To heal their diseases. To heal their sickness. To heal their mind, their brain. To heal their emotions. To heal everything. Y'all don't, y'all don't understand. I'll go as, as quickly as I can here. He sits. He don't say anything. He just sits. I'll move over here. No response over there. I'm gonna sit here and nobody says nothing. Nobody asks for nothing. So I'm gonna come sit back here, right here. I'm gonna get right in here. And I, wanna, I want somebody, I want to touch somebody. I've not touched a human in 4,000 years. I'm looking for somebody that says they know me. I'm looking for somebody that says they've been waiting on me. I've been looking for somebody that talks about me. I'm looking for somebody that says, I'd give anything if a Messiah would just show up and come sit in my house right now. So here I am. I'm going to sit here, and I've got power. I've got power to heal them. I've got power to heal whatever's wrong with you. It doesn't matter if you're lame, blind, if you're a leper. It doesn't matter what's the matter. It doesn't matter if your marriage is messed up. It doesn't matter if your parents are messed up. It doesn't matter if your kids are messed up. I've got power to heal you. You may be seated. Thank you. You ready for the rest of it? You know what the problem is? Clovis doesn't want. So I'd rather go on with my troubled life and my broken heart. I'd rather live with a broken home. I'd rather give to my kids an uncertain future. I'd rather just continue to take life and to figure it out my own. to have the master of the universe that spoke everything into existence I'd rather work it out on my own and do my own thing than to have Jesus come sit in my house and let him touch me I'm not preaching out of a catalog I'm not I didn't make this up I've read the Bible through. I've read the Bible virtually all of my life. And can I make an honest statement? I never caught this verse like I did Tuesday. It's like it stabbed me in the heart. Is it how many times has God walked into my house and sat down, but I didn't want to be touched? At God this she in Say I'll catch you later. And all he did was touching our shoulder like Mr. Donovan and try to guide us that way and take us by the hand and lead us this way and we do that and say, God, I'll take care of this one. Clovis doesn't want to be touched. So watch this, watch. Jesus had a little breakthrough couple of chapters later in the book of luke he had a a little breakthrough he uh he did the sermon on the mount luke calls it the sermon on the plain and uh a pharisee named simon approached jesus and said i'd like to have you come over to my house for lunch I'm sure Jesus kind of smiled again maybe a little bit and said look here Pharisee what do you know maybe maybe this one will be open to let me touch him and heal whatever's wrong in his life so word kind of Spread around that this Pharisee, this very well-known Pharisee invited Jesus to his house for lunch. But much like the leper story that really goofed everything up for Jesus, big introduction into his ministry. I know he did the water to wine first, but this came on the heels of it touching the leper. So now Jesus, according to the law of Moses, is defiled. Because he touched the leper, so now here comes something else. He's trying to work with these religious people. If you study the Gospels and you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you'll find early on in his ministry, it's the Pharisee this, the Pharisee that, the Sadducee this, the Sadducee that. He tried to work with these people. He tried hard, hard, hard to work with these people. So now, early on in his ministry, he's got a little breakthrough from this pharisee named simon and simon says i want you to come to my house for lunch and i'm sure simon was following some kind of protocol and hey i'm this is how we do religious things around here jesus um i can't say much to you publicly because you know i am a pharisee and if i look like i'm kind of befriending you or embracing you a little bit it's gonna cause me a lot of problems and and don't did, too close we'll we'll just talk for a while I don't even want to shake your hand right now but come to my house and we'll fix something to eat and we'll have a little chat and word spread around that Jesus was going to this man's house for lunch and the Bible said in the next verse verse 37 and behold a woman in the city which was a sinner sinner she didn't have any church background She wasn't a religious person. She heard that Jesus was going to this Pharisee's house. Everybody knew that Pharisees don't fool with sinners. So they were sitting down eating Simon and Jesus. And this sinner woman, the Bible said, came up behind Jesus and brought a alabaster box of ointment and for the first time and for the first time in a religious person's life for the first time they got to see a true illustration of worship and it came from a sinner yeah. Yeah. I can't imagine what that did to the heart of Jesus because by rights it should have been Simon right he he's the one that should have brought the alabaster box the the heirloom that was worth a small fortune of that woman uh, expensive expensive perfume I preached a sermon on that a, a, a several years ago of of just what it cost to get an ounce of, of of rose oil to make a perfume and how many roses it takes and how they have to be crushed to squeeze that all out of them and so on the religious person should have been doing that to me that's kind of the way i see it y'all on board with me It, it should be these real talented people up here singing and playing they they should come every sunday with an alabaster box in their hand pastor murphy should come to this pulpit every service with an alabaster box God I, I'm hot I don't want to say this in a bad way don't y'all take it out of context and go off on, in the wrong direction with it I don't want to be out worshipped by a sinner I'm not saying that to be judgmental but they don't know the things about God that I do I'm not on an ego trip either. I get it that he was a creator. I get it that he's a redeemer. I get it that he's a savior. I get it that he, that he does all massive kinds of healing. He just healed Kelly Adams back there of cancer. I get that. Sinner people don't get that. So why should I be out worshiped and out by a sinner person when I know all this stuff about God? This is, you may be seated. Thank you. This is where sometimes knowledge can be a little incriminating. Sometimes it can't because we know all this stuff. And Simon knew all this stuff. Here's the thing. He didn't say it out loud, but he thought it. So Jesus perceived what he was thinking. And uh, the man was thinking that, This man, Jesus, if he was a prophet, he wouldn't allow this woman to be doing all this stuff. It's inappropriate. So Jesus read his mind, and he began to tell a little story. And he said there was a certain creditor which had two debtors, and one owed 500 pennies, $5, and the other owed 50 cents. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him the most? And the wise religious scholar stepped up to the plate. Piece of cake. The one who has been forgiven the most will love the most. And Jesus said, you've rightly said, since I've walked into your house, you've done nothing. But this woman came in off the street and has broken a family heirloom to her worth her life. And she has not ceased to bathe my feet in it and and, and wash my feet with her tears. And that aroma from that box has come not from the religious man but from a sinner woman. That's where all of this smell and anointing and power is coming from. But again, Simon, you're the Clovis that just wants to talk. You don't want to be touched. And you know what makes this even more interesting to me is because... This woman didn't come to Jesus for him to touch her. She didn't come for any reason. She just came to worship. And she was a sinner. She needed him the most. But she came with a heart full of worship. The man who didn't think he needed God really at all had nothing to say. But negative thoughts like if this man was truly a prophet. He wouldn't let this woman touch him. Years ago, and I'm closing. Years ago, Brother Dave and Brother Steve's dad sang a song. Some of you might remember it from years ago, those handful here that went to the first church. It blew me away. I've never forgotten it it's called it's a poem somebody made a song out of it and it's called the touch of the master's hand and their daddy wrote it and this is the piece of paper he wrote it on I've never I never can part with this he sang it in the key of G it goes like this well it was battered and scarred and the auctioneer felt that it was hardly worth his while waste much time on the old violin but he held it up with a smile it sure ain't much but it's all we've got left I guess we ought to sell it too so who will start the bid on this old violin just one more and we'll be through and then he called out one give me one dollar who will make it two two dollars who will make it three three dollars twice now that's a good price Who's got a bid for me? Why don't you raise up your hand and don't wait any longer? The auction is about to end. Who's got four? Just one dollar more to bid on this old violin. Well, the air was hot and the people stood around while the sun was sinking low. And from the back of the crowd, a gray-haired man came forward and picked up the bow. Then he wiped the dust off the old violin and Tightened up the string, then he played out a melody pure and sweet, sweet as the angels sing. Then the music stopped, and the auctioneer, in a voice that was quiet and low, said, What is my bid on this old violin? And he held it up with a bow. And then he called out, One, give me one thousand. Who'll make it two? Only Two thousand, who'll make it three? Three thousand twice. Now that's a good price. Who's got a bid for me? And the people called out, What made the change? We don't understand. And with a little smile on his face, the auctioneer said, It was the touch of the master's hand. Who doesn't want to be touched by the master's hand? Well, you know, many a man with his life out of tune is battered and scarred with sin and he's auctioned cheap to a thankless world much like the old violin and then the master comes and the foolish crowd, they never understand the worth of a soul and the change that is wrought just by the touch of the master's hand. There was a man... In our home church, his name was James Downs. Had a very melodic voice, just
0: smooth.
2: I might say just as smooth as butter. And I came to the conclusion when I was about 13 years old that he only knew two songs. Because every time he visited, he attended the church for a number of years, moved away, and he came to come visit periodically pastor had always call him up to sing rightfully so but he just cycled the same two songs i only have only remember hearing the man sing two songs in my entire life this has gone on for six seven eight years when i was a kid but one of his songs was written by bill gaither in the early 60s and is still popular to this day in certain music circles the first verse it starts out something like this shackled a heavy burden need the load of guilt and shame and then it launches into this whole life changing picture, paints a beautiful picture, every soloist has sung it Christian soloist has sung it practically every trio has sung it, every duet has sung it, every quartet has sung it and they all sing it the same and the message of it is identical every time somebody sings it. he touched me Oh, he touched me and oh the joy that filled my soul something happened and now I can say he touched me he touched me so I'm going to ask you Clovis as you stand with me today I want to ask Clovis here today Would it really bother you too bad if Jesus came and touched you today? That verse in Luke five seventeen, I just I can't get it out of my head. It's dominated my thinking. It was hard for me to give Casey my notes Friday. I, I'm not even out of the iPad. I'm completely breaking tradition. I, I really don't have any notes. I just my heart's just so full. It was hard for me to give her a little piece of paper with four or five scriptures on it. And I watched her face because she knew that statement. She's heard it a thousand times around our house Clothes of Clovis doesn't want to be touched. And she said, Dad, is that really your title? And I said, Yes, it is. You just have to wait and see. There's somebody here today that Jesus has waited a long time to touch you so you can be healed, so your feelings. Can be healed. So your thoughts, I wish somebody would hear me today. So your thoughts can be healed. Your thoughts about other people. Your your thoughts about people that have hurt you. Your thoughts about people that you don't really even like. People you don't really love. And, and thoughts about things that's happened to you in the past. And about you know, maybe to do with parents and a, a spouse, uh, your, your children. Jesus can help that and he's he's in the house right now he's been sitting next to you this whole entire service and he can heal you but you just have to be willing just have to be willing not to be ugly just touches that's all he has to do that's all it takes he's sitting here today Clovis? How about a Clovis, anybody? i a lot of talk with you. I've prayed, prayed with God today. I'm open to a touch. Would everybody come? You can stand around the front for a few moments. Do you have time? Do you have everybody? Come on, everybody come. If you say, God, I'm open today. I'm open today. Would you touch me? Oh, that's wonderful. Sing it. Yes, that's wonderful. Sing it. Hallelujah. Would you come with your hands lifted from heaven and say, God, you can God, I'm asking
1: you to so touch the me today. I want
2: you to touch me right today. Now, God, I want you to minister to me today. Come on, I go hours early. hours early. So you have time for the master. For the master to touch your life. To touch your home. To touch your family. To minister to me. What a wonderful opportunity. What a wonderful opportunity. To have
1: yes, Jesus come and step into your life where right i with you. Oh yes, just want to be, be right with, with you. God, would you minister to me right now? God, would you help my friend right now
2: God, would you somehow touch just my heart, my mind, my emotions? Now. God, heal me, I pray. Heal me, I pray, God. Heal me of this terrible feeling. Heal me, God, because I'm depressed. Heal me, God, because I'm lonely and I'm sad. God, take take care of my financial problems. I need you to touch me today, oh God. In the name of God. Say, Come on, Thomas. Come on, just Let God touch your heart right now. Just wanna Let be God with minister you. to you right now. Let just God help you. you right now. He can. He we will. And He'll make things better. He'll make things better. Be he'll make it better. His place.
1: Just wanna be with you. We just wanna be with you, Lord. Just wanna be with you. Oh yes, Lord. Oh yes. Somebody let the Lord have his way Somebody let the Lord have his way Somebody let Jesus have
2: his way Come on, folks, we've got time We've got time Go ahead, let him have his way Let him have his way He's in the house right now He's in the house right now He's in the house right now
1: Oh